welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. I sat down and used GoodNotes this morning, actually, and just used my pencil on my iPad. Oh, yeah? Uh, Sorry, give it maybe four or five years, you can use my app to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you getting a sense of the long view with it? Uh, It feels like it's going to take quite a while, but... (laughs) But that's okay. I think this time round, I'm kind of more realistic about how long it's likely to take. And I'm kind of less likely to give myself a hard time over it as well, I think. Because I'm more aware now of, A, how little time I've got. Whereas before, I had quite a lot of time with armchair and stuff. Right. Um, whereas now, I'm acutely aware that I have basically hardly any time. Um, so I'm kind of giving myself an easier time. Whereas before, yep. I, would, I would beat myself up like crazy if I wasted a morning on anything that wasn't that if you know what i mean it's sort of putting it uh giving it the proper mental allocation i guess sort of yeah. weight against everything else you've got going on i kind of just decided actually if it's gonna like get into my head and make me unhappy then it's just not worth doing at all no so if i'm gonna I do totally it totally agree if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it on my terms and sort of that's the end of it that's cool and all of a sudden i feel better about it so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually as well i think i've i felt at times when I've kind of done that sort of thought process um, and ended up kind of feeling happier about stuff. Sometimes I've then ended up piling a load of time into the project anyway, but knowing that I can kind of just sort of go, ah, right, that, that's, that's as much as that's got and sort of walk away from it. It's been easier for me to then, then, then do that. Yeah. In a sort of roundabout way. Yeah. I don't know. As long as you're enjoying it when you're doing it, that that's gotta be the big deal. Yeah, I mean, the way I've kind of got it in my head is that I'm going to just try and treat it almost um, almost like a hobby. Because by definition, hobbies, you know, you should enjoy your hobbies rather than treating it as this thing that I must do. And like I say, give myself a hard time if I don't get any time today, tomorrow, the next day to do it. Yeah, I just, just need to kind of keep everything in check, really, because otherwise I end up taking the project away with me in my head. And then I just get into like bad moods and stuff and not fully enjoy what the other stuff that I'm doing that isn't that when I'm doing it. Um, just like silly things where I've been working on something uh, while Charlie's taking a nap or something, he wakes up and Heather goes, oh, should we go and take a walk up to the park with Charlie? And then I'm there sort of pushing Charlie on the swing, thinking about what I've been doing and getting frustrated that I'm unable to do any more to it for the time being and stuff like that, <laughs> which, which sounds yeah. ridiculous, doesn't it? But Yeah, it sounds ridiculous when, when you sort of vocalise it and play it play it out. But it, it doesn't feel ridiculous at the time. And I don't know, I can totally relate. You know, like that's that's me all over when I'm sort of head full of work or whatever. And I think that's probably the difference really is that if you can kind of compartmentalise it so that it's not work, you know, and then like you say, it's a hobby, it's something that you're doing for the enjoyment of it, then that's, that's probably going to keep it in the right place. Yeah, I hope so. That's kind of where I want it. Like I say, if it, I, I don't want it to get like that again. Um so if it's going to happen, it's going to happen the right way, as opposed to me just feeling rubbish all the time about it. See how I feel in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as some of you keen listeners of the show may know, I'm sort of working on a new uh, task management slash notes app. And the idea behind it is um, if a user wants to take down some notes to go alongside a task, I want that user to be able to take down notes that contain text kind of rich text so headings 
bold text, underlined text, maybe coloured text. Also within that, it'd be cool if the user could insert images in line. So maybe you'd have a paragraph of text and an image and another paragraph of text. Also, perhaps pencil drawings that are in line. So rather than having an image, you might have a pencil drawing instead. And also perhaps there could be some kind of little mini checklist inside of the, the note as well. So kind of like bullet points that you can sort of tap on and they turn from a bullet point to a tick. So my situation right now, um, and I've only looked into this a teeny tiny amount so far, so um, excuse any severe lack of knowledge. So I've looked into things like text kit a little bit and attributed strings, but like I say, not in any great depth right now. So I'm at the point where I'm at now is that I'm kind of looking at this kind of in the abstract and I haven't sort of gone deep in any particular direction. So I figured this could be a, a cool chance to sort of bounce it off you Dave and see if you've got any thoughts and also if anyone listening's got any thoughts I'm all ears as, as to how that might be as just as to how it might be structured because in my head there's kind of two ways of going about it you, you could almost have it as like one sort of giant attributed string maybe in some way um, although I'm not, not sure how not sure where the limits are on attributed strings and how practical that would be or whether I store things as individual elements and then loop through and spit them out onto the page so it could be you store a block of text and you store an image separately and you store another block of text and you store another image and then it sort of loops through and when it goes to display it on the screen it goes sort of text image text image if, if I'm making sense so yeah a bit of a in a bit of a pondering state right now as to as to where I should be going okay so taking up the the baton with this a little bit I think you should be looking into, um, like you say, attributed strings, and specifically within that, NS text attachment. I believe within it, one of the things you can do um, is that you can add in there um, objects essentially into the attributed string. So things like images um, can be turned into an attachment and then inserted into the attributed string. So that gets you part of the way there. Now, I think the other place that you were, were kind of mentioning before is if you're sort of thinking about um, having distinct kind of content categories that are then almost in an array that, um, you know, like you were saying before, it's text, then image, then drawing or whatever. You know, you've kind of got all these different types of content and I guess they're all, they're all sort of happening kind of in line, you know, one yeah. after the other. I would actually start to think of this more like you've got um, how you're going to store things in terms of, of your data model. Okay, so if you imagine your, your note document, your note document is going to have these distinct elements that can sort of exist inside of it. You know, you've got a text element, you've, you've got your, your drawings, you've got your inserted images. Um, there could even be the potential to put things like video or other media in there as well. Yeah. Um, so I w this is where um, things like um, protocol-orientated programming sort of within Swift can kind of come into its own own sort of place as well um, because I'd be sort of thinking about defining um, a kind of data model that has a protocol that describes um, an element in terms of... of, of um, it describes an element that... that is part of that note document. So a note document becomes an array of um, my specific elements that are, that are defined by this protocol. And then within that, um, you can then have different types of elements um, are fulfilled by different implementations of that protocol. 
So for, for example, a text a text element um, uh, is just just one type. Um, it's an object that adheres to that element protocol, however you want to define it. Yeah. Um, and then additionally to that, then having a drawing element or a video element or something like that, they are just other implementations of the same protocol. So you'd be looking for sort of commonalities about what might define something um, as, as an element within a note. One one way you, you might then sort of take this, I, I, again, I'm kind of like trying to sort of sketch this out mentally in my head as we go along, um, but you might... Um, you might want to think, well, okay, that that protocol could have things like um, maybe you you ask that element what its attributed string representation is. You know, maybe there's a, a function that that um, objects that adhere to that protocol have to implement, and that is a render render to attributed text function or something like that. So in that case, each one of these different types of of elements. Are then responsible for for how they kick you out, kick out a piece of attributed um, string. And if you've got that sort of setup, then rendering it out into a complete attributed string is a case of sort of iterating over the array of elements inside of the note and asking each one of them, okay, give me your rendering to an attributed string, and then just concatenating all those things together. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you say it like that. Because, uh, yeah, if, if you've got these things all together, then, then the beauty of it is is you can sort of keep extending out this definition of what an element is um, and making it kind of bend to your will and sort of doing what you want it to do. Um, because you may decide, you know, maybe there's another way of representing these things. For example, it might be there might be um, a process where um, you want to be able to filter off all of the, the images inside of a note. And maybe just out, output those to something, or have them displayed in some other fashion. Um, it's interesting you say that because um, I, I kind of did the the typical developer thing where I started designing it um, so that it would result in an easier implementation. Um, <laughs> so that I, I kind of in my head I was like, yes, this is going to work loads better, and isn't it convenient that it's also easier? But actually, once I'd finished it and looked at it, I was like, no, nah, that sucks. That's just me trying to make something easy for myself. So I, I kind of made it that any anything like an image or a pencil sketch or anything would be would be considered like an attachment to the note right and would that and would therefore be accessible like by via a, uh, like a horizontally scrolling collection view that sits at the, the bottom of the screen yeah um and then that way i don't have to worry about inlining them at all they're just completely separate and then the note is just a, a, a plain text note and then all the stuff's attached down the bottom and then i can just call upon them when i want um but actually in reality once i sort of taken a step back and looked at it 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 really wasn't the right approach i don't think because uh, i think they need to be in line because the note that surrounds them is going to add a lot of context to that image or or, or that pencil drawing yeah it's it's absolutely crucial that they're in line so i think what the the approach you're describing there is is with the whole attributed string and then concatenating them together so they all sort of flow out onto the screen in 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 order i think that's uh, that's definitely going to be an approach I should look at in more detail. Yeah, breaking everything down into its smaller parts and then joining it back together rather than it all just being one giant thing in the first place. Yeah, and it's not um, not hitching yourself to a particular wagon in a lot of ways as well because, like, on the next version of, of Swift or within, you know, the next version of iOS, we, we could have 
some brand new kind of text management or, or string implementation that you might want to leverage, right? It's, it's absolutely possible because, I mean, this is what is called NS text attachment. Yeah. You're looking at something quite old. Yep. Um, and that's great because it can do all these things. You know, it's been around for so long. Um, but yeah, it, it could be that there's some other thing that you then want to use. And if you've done it this way, your your elements are their own thing and getting them to kick out a new representation becomes a new function within that the protocol that defines them and, and a new implementation on the um, on the objects themselves. And so, yeah, that way then, you know, you, you're not kind of limiting yourself. You're not trying to store this this um, attributed string as, as a, a thing in its own right. You're trying to store the things that constitute the the output that's going into that string. Um, and yeah. down the line, that, that can pay off in other ways. You know, I mean, this this could be, you don't know where you're going to go with this app. There could be a position where you want to upload all of this stuff to WordPress. Just as an example, you know, you, yeah. you might want to take the whole method of writing out this this beautiful note um, and having a button that, that pushes it up to WordPress and, and makes a post out of it. Just, just as an, an example. Um, and again, by having your elements, you could have, some other sort of extension on top of those that says, okay, I want you to spit out Markdown or HTML, you know, and it generates that based on the info that's in the elements themselves. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it going, doing that sort of, um, I guess, e- extra legwork sort of up front in defining your data model, um, it then pays these dividends down the track. Yeah, I think break it, breaking it into its smallest parts now allows you to re-glue it in different ways down the road. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think now is the wrong time for me to be diving in almost at a development level on this stuff. I just kind of want to get a view in my head as to where what the, the direction I should be going. Um, but like you were saying, we're dealing with sort of NS stuff here, which indicates it's pretty old. For, for all we know, I mean, what's DubDub now? A month away? A little over a month? Yep. Uh, yeah, there could be something completely new that comes out of DubDub that sort of changes changes everything um so i think i'm unlikely to really dive in at a code level much before wwdc on this i think now's a bad time for development sort of greenfield development generally for me right now with dub dub being so clear uh so so near just because uh you know a, a new a new api or a new a new something they announce could invalidate weeks of work that i'm yep. doing right now so yeah i think right now my, my best use of my time is kind of thinking at more of an abstract level in terms of design in terms of visual design and kind of architecture design and, and things like that so yeah that's, that's where we are i feel like I've, I've got more of an interest this year in wwdc in terms of things they might announce because i've got all these things that i know lay ahead of me you know kind of technical challenges that lay ahead of me and i'm kind of looking at wwdc thinking oh i wonder if maybe just one of them could be made to go away or made loads easier with some new framework so i'm yeah i'm kind of excited for it more this year than i have been in, in previous i think um, I, was, I was just going to say, I think at this stage, though, you're absolutely right. You need to be sort of defining the the design of the app, the getting that sort of feel of the flow through the app, and doing all of that work. You know, this is it's not quite dead time between now and WWDC, but it's certainly if you, you're, you're starting a new app, this is work that needs to be done any anyway. You know, regardless of of what happens in June. So you know, this is time well spent right now getting getting everything designed out, kind of going through stuff like wireframes and sketching out the sort of flow through the screens of the app itself. And then I guess sort of starting to get into those, those questions that sort of follow on from having that, that kind of view of the app. 
you know, in terms of its functionality, that if you ask sort of questions of each each screen and, and kind of flesh out each wireframe in terms of what the app needs to do, then that information can sort of start building this view of things like elements and data models and that sort of stuff. Much like the conversation we just had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so it sounds like you're you're at a stage with this project where you can sort of start doing some of the um, the kind of introspective questions that you would do with a new piece of work um, to sort of define, well, okay, what's it going to be? What does it look like? And, you know, how, how's it going to work overall? Um, some of that is, as we were talking about a minute ago, it's things like design and, and sort of general flow of the app and then stuff like app architecture and, and things like that as well, um, data models and, and all of that. But um, I guess I would sort of also be starting a new piece of work off by kind of asking a few kind of um, key questions, really. So, so I've, got, I've got a few that I've sort of worked through um, with, with new projects these days. Um, and specifically for, for iOS development, you know, it's, it's um, I think some of these things are quite important. So I'm going to hit a few of these off of you, Dave. And <laughs> no pressure. see where you're at. No pressure. No, nothing. <laughs> um, it's a bit of fun. We'll see. Um, okay, so things like, will you be considering localization? That's interesting because most of the content um, of the app will be written by the user. You could look at that two ways, couldn't you? You could be like, well, in that case, I don't need to bother with localization. Or you could look at it, which is the way I am looking at it, this is the way I'm looking at it. What I'm about to say is that given that there is going to be so little localization work to do, I think, as it stands now, then definitely I'll do it. Yeah, I, I yep. don't think I've got a reason not to do it because aside from um, maybe like a, an about screen or a help screen settings, everything else is kind of, everything Everything else is going to be input by the user. Therefore, it will be in the language they use in any case. Yep. The only thing I've been thinking about and I was thinking, given that this is like a task management slash notes app, that gives me quite a nice uh, framework to to lay like a, um, like a tutorial section on. So when you first launch the app, maybe I could have a couple of notes already in there pre-populated that yep. can take the user through the features of the app. Okay. Um, so those I would, if I was going to go down that route, that would expand the scope of localization a, a little bit because they're probably going to be more involved and you know than just like a couple of buttons on a help screen i've never done localization before so i don't I've, I've kind of looked at it from a code point of view but actually in practice doing it i would imagine it's pretty hard finding people that know all of these languages well enough that are willing yeah. to help me <laughs> i think my um, yeah i mean from a code point of view i think it, it can be quite easy provided you've sort of you know gone that way from the start you know, like I, I, everything I sort of do these days, um, all of the text strings are wrapped up in a localized strings file anyway. Yeah. Um, and when they're in, introduced into the app, you know, we we I've got a couple of helper functions to sort of simplify the call. Um, but you know, by and large, I'm using a localized string um, and displaying that. So yeah, I mean, even if the app remains English forevermore, um, it, it it makes sort of replacing copy changes and stuff like that really easy. But yeah, it's the sort of thing that, you know, plan, plan with it being that way and then kind of see how you go, I guess. Um, getting 
the strings files themselves converted to other languages um, once you've got them. That's the sort of thing you can outsource that and, and kind of send off to different fulfillment agencies, you know, if you really had to. Yeah. Uh, it's also the sort of thing that um, you could perhaps launch the app and, and sort of see, you know, if, if like you, you've launched the app and, you know, a couple of hundred people have, have downloaded it or whatever, um, and you can check that back on iTunes Connect and sort of see whereabouts in the world they are, then, you know, you might want to pick like the, ne- the next one down in terms of volume. Yeah, sure. But it's kind of related, I think, as well. Sort of thinking about this sort of stuff, it gets re- um, can get quite interesting in terms of things like dynamic text, which is kind of to the side of this. The way they're related is that localizing and dynamic text are two things that can potentially impact the the layout that you've got in your app so you can have an absolutely beautiful design everything is sort of pixel perfect and then you know you you change things to support another language or to support dynamic text and then because of that that design just completely fails you know some (laughs) text overflows or whatever yeah uh so I think answering answering the question as, as to whether you're going to support that and also kind of thinking about stuff like, am I going to support dynamic text? Uh, I would strongly suggest that the answer to that is yes, I think these days, um, just kind of from an accessibility point of view and um, you know the fact that there is an aging section of the market as well that sort of as time goes on, I think we're all going to appreciate being able to to sort of embiggen the text on our screens where we want to. Yeah. Um, but, but answering those questions and kind of thinking of it from that point of view, from, from sort of get go um, and kind of having a plan for, for what your design is going to do when things um, overflow um, or whatever, then, you know, that's the sort of thing that if you can do that now, it's probably a good time. Yeah. And I think maybe this app kind of lends itself to that more than others would. Um, so for the most part, my app is sort of displaying um, different uh, lists of tasks or sort of outer uh, lists of tasks. So you have, might have a, there might be a, a section called uh, podcast topics and then you tap into podcast topics and then there's all the different topics that we've discussed and then you tap into one of those and you can see more notes about that individual one. So it's kind of like layers of table views right now, which kind of yep. is probably a pretty good place to start <clears throat> when thinking about supporting dynamic text anyway um then obviously when you get into the note it's kind of a a note document so yeah i I think the potential for things to go terribly wrong isn't that high and i think it is kind of yeah i I would say definitely yes to to, to that question um i think i'm in a a better place than maybe i would be if the app was something different just essentially it's some table views right now and then you sort of go through to a detail view yeah, um, where the note is displayed. So I don't think I've got any reason not to. Really, I can't think of can't think of a good reason to say no. Um, no, I think it's um, I think it's more a case of kind of taking a look at your design, sort of when you you kind of feel it's complete, and then playing it back to yourself and sort of going, well, okay, um, how would this look if you know, or maybe dummying a couple of screens up, um, and then just just turning things on and turning the the text sizes all the way up and sort of seeing how things handle and how they look um just just kind of get a feel for that sort of before before you're too far down the sort of development path 
Um, cause it, yeah, it can be one of those sort of things that to get it in at the end of a project is, is kind of twice the work. Mm. Um, but, uh, no, awesome to just sort of go for supporting it straight out of the gate though. Um, because yeah, well, this is one of the cool things, isn't it? Like starting over is that these kind of questions can be answered right at the start and you can generally sort of take the right approach to it in that, yes, I am going to support it as opposed to, um, you know, looking at an old legacy app that doesn't support it. And then it's like, oh no, I've got to change everything to make this work. But like right now, yeah. this is like totally greenfield. So it's like, unless you've got a really good reason not to, I don't see why you, why you would, wouldn't. No. Um, so yeah. I think I think I'm in a very fortunate position. Um, a due to the nature of my app, and B the fact that it's brand new. I mean, I haven't even coded anything yet, so <laughs> that's how brand new it is. <laughs> um, besides a few things to prototype a, an idea, but yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I've got a couple of other ones actually. I think before we before we finish up, um, yeah, go for it. But uh, okay, so things like um, asking for permission to access things like the camera roll to access, you know, the, the cameras themselves, photos, uh, location data or anything like that. Um, yeah. if you're looking at the design of your app, it can be quite nice. I think to sort of think about how you're going to ask for those things and sort of when you ask for those things, because, you know, it can be quite nice to sort of roll that into, to the flow of the onboarding with the app and that sort of stuff as well. Um, I guess I come at it from an angle of trying to avoid um, trying to avoid alerts that just come over the top of something and are not really related to what the user's seeing. Um, so yeah, start of a new project. Think about those things. Where where might they sort of fit in into your your app and your flow? Yeah, well, I look at other apps that I've sort of downloaded recently, and when you first start them up, you kind of end up with like a you can end up with like four or five of these that just pop up one after another. You know, can we use your microphone? Yes. Can we use a camera? Yes. Can we? It's like, yes, 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 yes. But then I, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that a lot of the time because I haven't even got into the app yet. I've basically just got past the splash screen and now I'm confronted with all of these boxes saying we want to use all of this stuff. Can we? And it's like, oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I like the app. I don't know if it I haven't even seen it. Like, <laughs> As a user, I end up just sort of going, well, I'm going to say no and see and what then, breaks decide later yeah yeah um apps i find i find i'm more comfortable with it when i'm asked kind of when it's appropriate to be asked so let's say say you're in like the instagram app or facebook app or twitter or something and for the first time you go to take a photo in the app to upload that's probably the point where you should see the first request to can you know can we use your camera that kind of thing yeah. Um, rather than at the start, because at the start it's like, well, yeah, you can, but why? Why do you want this? I don't know why you want it. You're just asking me for what seems like no good reason. Whereas if you go to do something in the app to trigger some functionality that needs it, and then it goes, oh yeah, to do this we need access to this. Is this okay? As the user, I think you're then in more of a position to make a judgment call on it. Yep. Because otherwise it's like, well, why, why does it want access to my, my microphone? Is it just going to start recording me whenever it fancies? Or Whereas if you're like, say you've got a voice memos app, you go to take your first voice memo. Oh, by the way, we need your mic. Is that okay? Um, yes, it is okay because I actually want to take a voice memo right now. <laughs> it's just kind of, just adding a bit of context around it. And also I think it makes for quite a sucky onboarding process to be like one pop-up after another, after another, after another. And it's just like, 
can almost give the impression that this app is just designed to suck up data in a way if it's asking for all these permissions, especially when you're not clear why it wants them. Yep, totally. So, yeah, that's kind of my mini rant over on that. (laughs) I'll I'll try and ask where appropriate. So I I think that also leads me to to another thing, which is kind of related, and that is sort of thinking about stuff like negative state. So, you know, if you've got things that the app does that rely on having some of these permissions or, or relying on the user to have taken some sort of action. Yeah. Yeah, what does that look like? How are you going to sort of tell the user about that? And I guess I'm not expecting you to have answers to this as a question, but I'm sort of just pointing out that, like, you know, again, that's the sort of thing that now you can kind of be thinking about those those kind of positions in the app as well. Because it's easy to sort of look at look at the term, to think about what you want the app to do and to kind of imagine the perfect state, you know, the... The, the screen kind of looking as functional as it can possibly look and everything's turned on and all of the rest of it. And then actually then when you sort of start thinking about, well, okay, if they've not got, if they've not given access to the camera roll, then we can't show this bit or do this bit. Or, you know, if, if there's no access to the camera, then we can't do this here. And and so I guess just now is probably a good time to sort of put the lens onto the design and sort of think about those things. Yeah, so in my head, I mean, I've never actually had to ask for any of these things before in an app so i'm not sure what the kind of the flow of it's like from a coding point of view but in my head i'm thinking let's say i want to in my note drop in a photo from my camera roll so the first time i go to do that it should pop up saying hey we'd like to access your camera roll and camera because it might be that you want to just snap a photo with your camera and drop that into the note immediately um can we do it yes or no so yes, obviously it's fine, you can do it. No, obviously that's the user's choice, that's totally fine if they don't want to. But I feel like I would like the opportunity, once they've said no, to kind of explain why it was we wanted it in more detail. Um, and also to kind of explain now why the app doesn't do half the stuff that I've kind of designed it to do, because you've said no. Yep. So maybe uh, the user could be taken to a, like a little screen where it explains quite clearly why why we wanted this and what functionality it enables because it might be that the user says no for like a, a privacy concern or, or or something else I, d- I don't know but it just just an opportunity to kind of put my case forward to be like this is why we actually wanted it um and without you saying yes you can't have this stuff in the app um which we feel is kind of core to its functionality and then say but if you do want it if you do want to say yes at any time you can sort of maybe flick a switch here or jump into your settings and just I, I guess kind of try and re-onboard the user for that particular piece of functionality if that makes sense no it does it totally does those sort of screens are absolutely the right place as well to sort of have that button that, that chucks them into um into the settings screen there's a there's another thing there as well some of the permissions that you ask for may only actually return once so i think an example of that would be um asking for the permission for the user to receive notifications. I think it's set up in such a way that that the default prompt um, to say okay only ever actually shows to the user once per install of the app. Okay. So you, they would have to delete the app and reinstall it to then see that that prompt ever again. And and you as a developer only know that that currently they don't have permission. So otherwise they've got to go they've got to go fishing in settings otherwise to re-enable it if they want to. Yeah, so actually having that as kind of the default thing that, that shows when um, when there's no access to these things, 
only asking for the the system prompt you know the first the first time round like asking for it if 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 it's possible to do so um and then otherwise giving them that kind of negative flow that says okay we can't do this thing and you need to go to settings kind of having that sort of fallback can be be quite good because otherwise you've, you you may have developed it sort of thinking that you're going to show that prompt that asks for this thing every single time and actually it doesn't really do that mm. um that's that's something i've fell into before i think locations preferences is another one but I'm not sure about the uh, the camera roll itself. I don't know if that triggers as many times as you want. Oh, you mean so if they say, if they say no and then they go back to add a photo, it'll ask again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think actually presenting them with something, if it's if you've asked once, and then keeping track of that, you know, setting a default flag or something, and then otherwise, if it's still locked out, you're then presenting that sort of, hey, we we need need this in order to give you this click here to go to settings to turn it on. I think that sort of flow can be really quite good. I mean, at that point, it's kind of, there's friction, isn't there? You've yeah. already introduced friction. There's friction in that the user can't get what they want, and there's friction in that they have to jump through some hoops to get it back again if they do decide that is what they want. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's just all a little bit unfortunate at that point, isn't it? So maybe, I've seen it in a couple of um, a couple of places where, in some apps, you almost get like a, a splash screen. It explains that they're going to ask for permission for a certain thing. And they yep. they almost put up a, a box that looks like the actual prompt, but it isn't. And then the OS puts up the prompt that looks very similar. I don't know if I'm painting a bad word picture here, perhaps. No, I'm following. I'm, I'm, following. Trying, to th- I'm trying to think what app I saw it on recently, but it's kind of like this screen came up saying, oh, hey, we, we need to send you notifications so please say yes and then they drew like a little alert box with a yes on it and I went to tap it and it did nothing because it was just a drawing that they put up <laughs> and then the actual OS version that you know iOS spits out that appeared and then I was like right oh, okay so I'm not sure where I'm going with this really but I think that could be one way to ensure that you get the right answer the first time perhaps M- maybe that kind of drawing that they they show uh, maybe they've got some kind of metric on it that if if you see it the first time um you're more likely when they actually pop up the os version you've kind of made that decision already before you see it and yeah, you're more, like, more likely you. to get the desired result yeah yeah like a, a kind of priming yeah yeah just so it's not such a shock and the user's like oh no i don't know about that and then click no so yeah interesting i'm not sure that's the approach i would take um but yeah interesting nevertheless Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting our star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com. And on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott. 